This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about artichokes. Mmm. I love artichokes. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. Lauren got to see me do a little bit of a happy dance before this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have them very often. And so every time I see them on a menu, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is pretty rare to see them on menus here on the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like I couldn't get them. And I did. I followed in the in the wake of our very smart listeners, and I already bought some artichokes <laughs> uh, in preparation for the yeah. craving. I already okay. I'm gonna make this pasta my mom and I used to make because that was kind of the thing, is like my mom and I liked them and nobody else in our family really did. So we okay. didn't eat them a lot. Sure. But we would make this pasta with artichokes and capers and lemon, and it was so oh, good wow. and so bright. Yeah. Um, that I'm I'm ready. I am <laughs> ready to eat it, even though it is not the right season <laughs> for all the flavors I'm describing. I'm no, still ready. no, that sounds like a like a lovely little little burst of summer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In in our dreary winter day that we're having here. Oh yeah. Uh, oof, yes. <laughs> this is absolutely the kind of weather that makes me want to just like build a pillow fort and like live inside of it. Which a friend just pointed out, I could probably easily podcast from inside a pillow fort. You could. You know, it would be mm-hmm. sort of ideal. Yes, I remember in the early days of the pandemic, NPR posted an article that was like. If you got a podcast from home, put up some pillows. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Will do. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but artichokes, yes, uh, so delightful. Um, I didn't have much experience with them. I don't think I had any experience with them growing up uh, until I was in college. And then a friend introduced me to uh, to eating to eating the, the, the big ones where you scrape the little bit of flesh off the big petals um, or, or bracts as they are more botanically mm. called. Um, but uh, but I'm more fond of the baby artichokes. I love those. I love those. I love those. And I also bought some in preparation for the cravings. And yes. I like just adding them to, like, whatever pasta I'm cooking. And not directly to the pasta, like to the uh-huh. sauce, to the sauce part. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for you and for me. Yeah. Also... This episode has alerted me to the fact that some people like do a soft fry of artichokes, and that's that's gotta happen too. Oh yeah, yes. What, what have I been doing? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> well, uh, we have spoken about vaguely related uh, plants before, so you can see our sunflower episode. For yes. more information, strangely enough. I love it. Yes, you yeah. can. 
Yes, you can. Which I guess brings us to our question. I, it certainly does. Artichokes. What are they? Well, uh, an artichoke is a type of multi-flower bud structure that is eaten as a vegetable, even though it, like, really doesn't want you to. Uh, like, lots of plants have evolved specifically to be eaten as part of their genetic plan, and artichoke is not one of them. Um, the parts of an artichoke that we eat are the uh, uh, flower support structures, um, uh, including the bracts, which are sort of specialized leaves that protect the flowers inside. We might eat artichokes when they are young and tender. These are sometimes referred to as artichoke hearts. Or when they are older and more structural, um, in which case we're really just scooping like a tiny bit of flesh off of the center of the bracts and then eating that base, which is confusingly also referred to as an artichoke heart. <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, artichokes have this like really lovely herbal tart bitter flavor that is so bright and sort of citrusy or almost like tomatoey in a certain way. Um, mm. uh, the the hearts, the baby artichokes, are sort of like a tart Brussels sprout. And the older ones are their whole own thing. Uh, in, in, in practice, it's almost like eating like steamed mussels or something because like you're just getting this tiny little bit of food off of this naturally grown spoon. Yeah. Um they're they're like they're like if a really good tomato was leafy and hated you. Respect. <laughs> Respect artichoke. <laughs> right? But you're so good. But they're so good. <laughs> so worth it. So worth it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, botanical name, hmm, Sonera cardunculus, which is a great botanical name. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, artichokes are part of the Asteraceae, or daisy, or sometimes it's called the sunflower family. Um, and I do find a sunflower to be a really useful visual comparison here. Okay. Um, just, just the same way that a sunflower has like a big flat disc that hundreds of tiny flower heads and seeds develop on top of um, with, with a ring of different petals around the head, so does an artichoke. Um, also, just just out of saying, both artichokes and sunflowers do grow their flowers and bracts in Fibonacci spirals. So, fun math. Fun math. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, but in an artichoke, that, that disc upon which the tiny flowers grow is protected by these huge, structural, stiff, uh, like, scale armor like uh, bracts uh, or leaves, yeah, that uh, that are deep green to purple in color and, and will grow up in, in that rosebud style spiral around the disc, forming a sort of a like a like a hollow tipped scepter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and as the artichoke develops, the bracts get stiffer and larger and each will be tipped with a spine. And this is meant to protect the uh, the tiny flowers inside as they develop. If left alone, uh, eventually the wee flowers will develop into these long, colorful threads, often bright violet in color, so vivid. Um, and then if pollinated, each will form this stiff little seed with a stiff little thread attached, which let it drift away on the wind like a, like a dandelion seed. But we eat them before they get to this point. Um, th those flower threads are, are stiff like stick in your throat sort of things. So we either eat baby artichokes before they've had a chance to develop or we carefully work around them. Um, so yeah, so, so a full-grown artichoke will have this fleshy base with these little developing hairs and then these big bracts, um, sometimes called petals, coming up off of it. And so if you cook the whole thing and then pull a bract off, it'll have just a little bit of that flesh at the base of, of the petal. When they are older like that, uh, the most common way to eat them is to steam or, or roast them whole. And then, yeah, pull off each individual petal and, and scrape the tender inner bit off with your teeth, um, perhaps af after having dipped it in, in melted butter or, or some other kind of dipping sauce. Yeah. Mm. Uh, sometimes you might stuff the whole artichoke with breadcrumbs or something uh, before you roast it. And then after you pull off all of the bracts, you're, you're left with just the tender base. Um, you just have to scrape off the little spiky, spiny bits, and, and then you can eat the just the little tender heart of the artichoke. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. That's really good. 
It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're immature, you have a little bit more leeway um, because, yeah, they're, they're not as fibrous and they can be cooked up the way that you would any other kind of like firm leafy vegetable. Think like a like a cabbage or like a Brussels sprout or a maybe a leek, something like that. Uh, So yeah, you can do them steamed, sautéed, roasted, fried. It does seem like everyone on the planet who is really into artichokes agrees that the very best way, which apparently you have been missing, Annie. I know! (laughs) is, Is to like very lightly bread them and then deep fry them and serve them with like some kind of creamy sauce for dipping. Oh, gosh. Yes. Um, If you are in Atlanta... There, there's a chain of pubs called Corner Tavern um, mm. that do an appetizer of fried artichokes in this style. It's a whole gi- – it's a ludicrous number of them on a plate, <laughs> yeah. and I will eat the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds about yeah. right for Corner Tavern. But noted. Thank you yeah. for the tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, baby artichokes are also often preserved, either uh, pickled or marinated and canned. Um, you can also get them frozen, which I love. And uh, generally, an artichoke is considered a savory food um, because it's got that that bitter note. And, and also, they're, they're kind of quite tart. Um, but especially at a festival, you might find artichokes uh, blended or infused into desserts like cheesecake or ice cream or cupcakes. Um you know, they have they do have that tartness. Like I can see it working if you're careful. If you're careful. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, they are known for being one of the few foods that doesn't really pair well with a lot of wine because they <laughs> are so tart. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I would say that a dry acidic white wine is is real nice. Yeah. I mean You can yeah. Dr- yeah, drink what you like. Eat what oh, you sure. like. Oh, sure. Eat what you like. Both. Both. We can't tell you what to do. Exactly. I think you can make it work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, what about the nutrition? By themselves, artichokes are pretty good for you. You know, lots of micronutrients, lots of fiber. Once you dip them in butter or or deep fry them and then dip them in like ranch dressing, that's that's a separate that's a separate issue. Gosh, but a delicious issue. A delicious one. Yes. (laughs) Well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. All right, so here in the U.S., California grows about 100% of our artichokes. Uh (laughs) Yep. Uh In 2017, the California artichoke crop was worth about $65 million. Uh, But globally, the United States is only number 12 in terms of artichoke production. Um, Italy, Egypt, Spain, China, and Peru produce the most in in that in that order. Um, artichokes are also grown to produce medicinal extracts, which have been popular in Europe kind of forever, but never caught on here in the U.S. As of 2014, though, um, uh, artichoke extracts were the third most popular herbal supplement in like several European countries. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hmm. At the center of the California artichoke business, though, is Monterey County um, and a town called Castroville, um, sometimes called the artichoke capital of the world. <laughs> it is home to the self-proclaimed world's largest artichoke, um, which is a concrete sculpture that is about 20 feet tall and 12 feet wide. That's like six by three and a half meters. Um, each petal is like five or six feet wide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Uh, Monterey hosts an annual artichoke festival every June. Um, 2022 was its 62nd year. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, it got too big for Castorville to handle. So it's like in a nearby town. Um, in addition to the the food and the music and all of that, there is a quilt challenge, um, a car show, farm tours, a competitive artichoke harvesting race, Yes, an eating contest um, and an agro art competition. Agro is an agricultural, not as an aggressive. <laughs> mm, but both could intersect. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is sculptures made from uh, from from fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, and in this particular case, entries must be at least sixty percent fresh produce and ten percent artichoke. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Again, I want to see this movie where there's like the driving piano music as somebody oh, like is doing calculations on a notepad, yeah. like drawing out this. Yeah, it could <laughs> be like best in show, but with artichoke sculpture. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
I'm telling you, we have a lot of good ideas, Hollywood. I don't know why you haven't contacted us. <laughs> um, this Artichoke Festival does have a mascot. His name is Ari. Ari the Artichoke. He looks, he looks like a ninja turtle that's an artichoke. Oh my god! <laughs> Beautiful. He's wearing like a little like like purple mask oh. and like a little purple sash mm. and. Yep. It's glorious. I mean, I don't know. We we need to do our food mascot episode because so many of these mascots are just a sight to behold. They yeah. It it's, it's hard it's hard in podcasting. It's hard on audio, true. but but we can we can make it work. Mm -hmm. Um the same festival also does host events at other times of the year including a haunted house every October that as far as I can tell is not explicitly artichoke, artichoke themed. <laughs> Oh, but I wish. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, they also have a charity golf tournament in November. It's all run by this nonprofit that seems like it really puts earnings back into like education and art support in the local community. In 2021, they raised $45,000. Uh, it, it seems nice. It seems good. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And they are not the world's only artichoke festival. Um, there are at least three that I've read about in Italy. Um, one outside of Rome has been running every April since 1951. Um, and it also features an artichoke sculpture contest. Key. Key to the artichoke <sighs> festival, it seems. <laughs> Love this. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, the world record for the largest serving of cooked artichokes was achieved in 2018 in Spain. Um, with 1,150 kilos of, it appears to be roasted artichokes. That's 2,535 pounds. Whew. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh -huh. And and the world record for the largest artichoke salad was achieved in 2019 in Peru. The salad weighed 784 kilos. That's 1,729 pounds, 9 ounces. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> um, it was 58% artichoke by weight. Uh-huh. <laughs> the rest of the salad was made up of peppers, carrots, green and black olives, and an unspecified salad dressing that I I, I think was olive oil-based. Mm. Yeah. Unspecified salad dressing sounds very menacing. I like it. <laughs> Ooh. Uh -uh. Okay. <laughs> oh, geez. Yep. You know, if you saw an artichoke just hanging around and you didn't know what it was, they can look quite menacing. And they do. They genuinely do. This is another plant that looks vaguely like Audrey, too. Yes. <laughs> and we are not the only ones that have thought that throughout history, actually. No. no, no, not at all. And we are going to get into that history as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back, thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with a note. Uh, we are not talking about the Jerusalem artichoke. Uh, that is a different episode. I did not know that was a thing, but it is a different thing. Yes, it is a different thing, not for today. Not for today, no. Uh, but okay, artichokes are widely considered to be one of our oldest foods. Um, they most likely originated in the Mediterranean. One of their ancestors, though, the North African thistle, still grows in the wild to this day. So it's one of those things that maybe popped up in multiple places at at different times. Um, Historians think they were first harvested by folks in the Middle East. Uh, Over 2,500 years ago, they made their way to Egypt and the surrounding area. At first, people were more likely to eat the leaves as opposed to the flower head, which is actually pretty common for a good portion of their history. The artichoke was popular by 70 CE in Rome and in Greece, though it was grown in that area before then. A popularity they enjoyed until the Roman Empire fell. Hmm. People, <laughs> people at this time were still probably eating the leaves and the stems instead of the head of the flower because, as you said, wasn't the easiest thing. Wasn't the easiest thing to eat. Yeah, no. No. Uh, it was used in things like salads. Wealthy Romans liked liked to eat artichokes, these leaves and stems, with honey, vinegar, and cumin, which sounds very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, right? But it was very pricey <laughs> for the huh. time. Uh, Theophrastus and Dioscorides both wrote about artichokes and the potential medicinal uses of them, while Pliny described them as, quote, one of Earth's monstrosities. <laughs> Which, honestly, if I was artichokes, I'd be like, thank you. I'm yeah. take that as... Yeah, that's, that is what I was going for. You're welcome. Yeah, I feel seen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Pliny also touted the artichokes' many believed medicinal benefits as well, including increasing the chance of conception of a boy, which at this time was viewed as a positive thing. Um, All right. Yes, indeed. I have a poem. You know we love food poems. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was published during the time of the Roman Empire about artichokes. Okay. Um, so here we go. Yeah. Let the prickly artichoke be planted, which to Bacchus, when he drinks, is grateful, not to Phoebus, when he sings. This sometimes rises with a purple head, a sphere-like, with scales close and compactly set, sometimes with myrtle hair and bended neck. It verdant grows, sometimes with pungent top, like pine tree cone. Expanded some appear, sometimes tis like an osier-baked shaped with threatening prickles horrid. Sometimes pale, it imitates bracker signs, crooked leaves. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, these yeah. old-timey poems. <laughs> yeah, I was with it until those last couple lines, and then I would have to Google a number of those words. Yes. Um, yes. Well, we can, based on context, guess that it's related to other things during this time that might have looked similar. Uh, but the whole poem feels very threatening, but also respect you know again yeah yeah very fond and very like like that one might bite you yeah exactly like we see you we uh (laughs) would like to eat you but understand it's not the easiest thing (laughs) uh and speaking of there is quite a greek legend 
about the origin of artichokes. Okay. All right. So the story goes that one day Zeus, yes, that one, um, saw a beautiful young woman named Kinara or Sinara, the botanical name, basically, mm-hmm. um, when visiting Poseidon on the island of Zanari. And, of course, he set about seducing this mortal woman, offering to make her a goddess, um, and his head, of course, full of all of this extra med- marital relations he could have with her while his wife, Hera, was away. Mm-hmm. However, Sonara, Kanara, <laughs> uh, soon grew homesick, missed her mortal life and friends, so she snuck out to visit them. Zeus did not like this and threw her back to Earth, turning her into an artichoke as punishment. Wow. I know. Man, the sheer number of things that folks were like, yeah, we've got that because Zeus (laughs) Zeus was horny and then someone got mad about it. It's like a lot of things. I know. And there's a part of me, I don't know if I should be embarrassed about this, Lauren, but I tried to think of like the true punishment of being turned into an artichoke. I suppose it would suck. You can't visit your friends or family that you wanted to. You're not a goddess anymore. But I was kind of like, what an interesting punishment. Huh. I mean, yeah, because, like, you're you're real pretty. And you're also like, don't touch me. Right. Um, Exactly. Like. And at that point, that's how that's how I'd feel. I mean, at a lot of points, that's how I feel anyway. We're all artichokes (laughs) at some point in our lives. That's the the truth of it. Right. (laughs) Yes. Hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the popularity of the artichoke (laughs) in Europe really didn't start to recover until the 1400s when citizens of Florence, Italy, specifically, were really taken with artichokes. Um, Okay. Though documentation shows that they were being grown in Spain during the 800 CE, at least, um, both of these instances of artichokes in Europe are believed to have been introduced by Arab traders and peoples, um, which I couldn't really find a lot of information about that. That's We've spoke about that before, the kind of just a lot of information about what was going on in Europe, but not so much outside of Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is when we see the emergence of the type of artichoke with an edible flower head that we're more familiar with. Um, from there... These artichokes were adopted by nearby regions fairly quickly, perhaps particularly France, where they were common by the 1500s. Um, Artichokes were probably introduced to England in the 1600s. Around this time, too, the Spanish sometimes used an extract from dried artichoke flowers to curdle milk for cheesemaking. And from what I understand, still is a practice. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of European cookbooks started including recipes using artichokes in the 1600s, from pies to just simply boiling them, uh, with one recipe even claiming that they went well with a glass of wine. (laughs) See? See? Oh, Oh, my. I love this. I wasn't expecting this. Um, (laughs) Okay. So, Italian Renaissance painter... Caravaggio, who I guess was a bit of, he had a bit of a reputation for being combative, uh, once Mm -hmm. got into a tussle with a waiter over artichokes. Um, And according to the waiter's statement to the police, which (laughs) is in the historical record, uh, quote, I brought them eight cooked artichokes, four cooked in butter and four fried in oil. The accused asked me which were cooked in butter and which were fried in oil. And I told him to smell them, which would easily enable him to tell the difference. He got angry and without saying anything more, grabbed an earthenware dish and hit me on the cheek at the level of my mustache, injuring me slightly. And then he got up and grabbed his friend's sword, which was lying on the table, intending perhaps to strike me with it. But I got up and came here to the police station to... To make a formal complaint. Wow. There's a part of me that thinks this can't be true, but there's a part of me that it, it's hard. I, I can see it happening. I can right. see it. It uh, seems ex- just exactly petty enough to be right. accurate. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I, it's like reading Reddit posts and you're like, is this for real for real? Or Right. Right. Like, I can't envision it in my circle of friends. Sure. But... I'm I'm given to understand that it does happen sometimes, things like this. Yeah. 
You're like, no, I can't get the fingers right. I just poof. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I love to imagine the idea. What what throws me off the most is that he pulls the sword and then the waiter, from what we're to understand, runs from the restaurant straight to the police station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if a famous and famously combative artist yeah. came at me with a sword as a waiter, I would definitely go straight to the police station. <laughs> Yeah. That's relatable. Um, also, I guess good good time to note. Hey, y'all! Like, like if you're if you're dealing with uh with service industry humans during these our holiday times, mm-hmm. be nice to them. They're yes. they're they're working so hard. They're working so hard, and they you know if they ask you to smell your own artichokes, do it. I <laughs> smell your own artichokes is our next shirt. <laughs> wow, perfect. Um. But yes, 100%. Don't pull a sword on your service people. <laughs> don't. Or, don't you know, throw ditches at them. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> smell your artichokes. It's okay. Yeah, smell your own artichokes. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, Catherine de Medici fact of the episode. Awesome. Okay. As with many things... She often gets credited with boosting the popularity of artichokes in the 1500s in Europe when she introduced them to French King Henry II. A chronicler wrote in 1576, the queen mother ate so much she thought she would die and was very ill with diarrhea. They said it was from eating too many artichoke bottoms and the combs and kidney of cockerels, of which she was very fond. Look, chroniclers. (sighs) If this is my situation, I just don't need you to talk about my diarrhea <laughs> based on artichokes, okay? <laughs> yeah, th- you can leave that one out of the history books. You yes. have my permission. Yes, unless I say otherwise. No need. No yeah. need. Uh, that okay. same year, the Book of Nature included this quote about the artichoke. It has the virtue of provoking Venus for both men and women, for women making them more desirable and helping the men who are in these matters rather tardy. Hmm. Goodness. I know. (laughs) And in fact, some sources I found indicated that in the 16th century in Europe, women were discouraged from eating artichokes due to the fact that they were perceived to be an aphrodisiac. Wow. Jeez. Okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I kind of throw my arms up at that one, but okay. Yeah. Uh, Washington and Jefferson grew artichokes, and Jefferson used the keyword artichoke as part of his cipher for his correspondences with Lewis and Clark. And there's a whole website about it where you can read about it. It it was very interesting, but it's fascinating. Mm hmm. Um, French immigrants bought artichokes with them to the U.S. in the 1800s. And at first, artichoke cultivation was pretty localized to Louisiana in in the U.S. Hmm. But uh, with the help of Italian immigrants growing artichokes in the U.S. in the 1900s, the U.S. commercial artichoke market really started to take off, especially in the 20th century. Um, And yeah, much of it was in California. One big name in this conversation is that of California landowner Andrew Malera, who in 1922 leased some of his land previously set aside for growing sugar beets, which, hey, we have an episode about that, Mm -hmm. uh, so that Italian immigrants could grow a, quote, new vegetable, artichokes, um, mostly because the crop was pretty lucrative. Yeah, yeah. And this was in the aforementioned uh, Castroville. Yes. And then something else. That I was like, this is a whole other episode, but I'm going to mention oh, yeah. the uh-huh. briefest thing here. In the 1920s, member of the mafia Chiro Terranova Whitey earned the name the Artichoke King when he cornered the artichoke market by buying up all of the shipments from California meant for New York and selling them at a 30 to 40 percent profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would like harass suppliers and growers. He had artichoke crops destroyed. This eventually led to then-New York mayor to declare, quote, the sale, display, and possession of artichokes illegal. However, as a big fan, and with dropping profits, I'm sure there was a lot of other things going on, uh, he crumbled pretty quickly and <laughs> lifted the ban. So after, it, in fact, I read in some place in a week, I think, 
So I don't know. Uh, wow. It seems like it was sort of a maybe a political thing and it didn't work out. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But still food crime, food crime, food artichoke crime. food crime. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't expecting this either. In 1947, Marilyn Monroe was named the inaugural artichoke queen at the Castroville Artichoke Festival in Castroville, California. Uh, as you said, the artichoke center of the world. From what I understand, this was an honorary title. She did not participate in a pageant. Yeah, a lot of the head titles were not head titles. A lot of the um, headlines were very passive aggressive, almost. <laughs> it was interesting. It, it's it's one of those stories that does sound so so apocryphal, and and I've seen. I, I've I've read in so many different ways of like how exactly this happened um, that it, it sounds like one of those stories that just got made up and then yeah distributed strangely through weird games of telephone and I think some of that telephone thing is happening but there's totally a photo of her with this mm -hmm. sash so yeah. yeah I I I too thought am I being bunked in my food <laughs> podcast research. No. Uh, well, you can look it up. Um, there are some even like ties like back to this whole mafia situation. Yeah. Like the way that some stories tell it, they're like, well, they had to hire Marilyn Monroe to come out and like smooth over this whole mm -hmm. artichoke kerfuffle. It's a whole I, thing. <laughs> I think that I think that one is apocryphal. But she but she wore a sash at some point. She did. So, anyway, she did. I guess the the implication I got for most of the passive-aggressive, what felt passive-aggressive things I read was she didn't win it. She was given it through various nefarious purposes. There was an uh, ulterior motive. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, listeners, if you have any information <laughs> to crack this case. Um, yes. Which, speaking of, okay, okay artichoke oh. dip. Um. I couldn't find too much about it. I admittedly did not dig too hard. But, uh, and I bet we could do a whole dip episode, including artichoke dip later. But uh, spinach and artichoke dip, which if you're not familiar, is kind of a creamy artichoke spinach dip is delicious. Uh, took mm -hmm. off in the U.S. in the 1950s when Americans were all about finger foods and dips and chips. And I bet like our fondue episode is, is kind of going on. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I've tried to look into it a couple times because I've tried to. Uh, I, I feel like every time we do like a like a Super Bowl related mm. episode, uh, like that's one of the subjects that kind of comes up. Um, and I don't think there's enough for a full episode, but we could certainly do a mini episode mm. about about that because right, like, and I think that it really comes down to like a frozen spinach producer was like, hey, mix this with sour cream and maybe this other tart stuff and maybe some like ranch powder and uh, it's a dip now. And people were <laughs> like, yeah, it's a dip now. Um, yes. As far as I can tell, that's the whole story. Um, but Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who always shows up with spinach and artichoke dip and it's one of those like very specific defining details that makes me oh, love huh. people yeah. and friends <laughs> yeah yeah oh. <laughs> it's i i love this stuff it's so like like comforting and like nostalgic for me mm -hmm. yeah uh california named the artichoke their official state vegetable in 2013 <sighs> i'm so impressed by this because for for everything for for all of the produce that California has going on, mm -hmm. it, it really means that they are serious about this artichoke stuff. Yes. Yes, indeed. I, I had a, a similar reaction. I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what we have to say about the artichoke for now. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, we do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with I feel like those kind of creepy opening flowers and movies, they they like slowly open like yeah. that, and then the tongue darts out. <laughs> the vibe artichokes <laughs> give me in a way that okay. I like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe they've got an eyeball inside. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love a flower with an eyeball. Yeah. Me too. I do. Your description earlier of like the scepter top, I think that's that's on point. We could make a really good uh, like living sculpture, I guess, costume of produce Ooh. involving artichokes. Because I think you can make like a crown out of the, the leaves and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And some of the, right, um, a lot of the sculptures that I saw when I was reading about these festivals that feature these sculpture contests, yeah, have, um, uh, right, like, like the, the, the petals or bracts pulled off and then used, like, like scales to create, mm. like, animal Ooh. shapes or stuff like that. So, all really yes. cool, really beautiful. Yes. I'm going to look that up later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, Kelsey wrote, My family and I are blessed with a large, mature hazel tree in our backyard Ooh. and another across the street next to an alley in our neighborhood – Ours produces longer, slightly narrower nuts. The neighborhood tree produces chubbier, shorter nuts. Hmm. Both shapes are delicious. We are currently in the middle of processing the approximately 100 kilogram of nuts (laughs) we harvested from the two trees. There is a reason these delectable morsels are pricey. Our first round of by-hand processing yielded over one kilogram of roasted hazelnuts. But this was accomplished after several weeks of in-shell drying and a handful of hours of shelling. From there, it's an easy-peasy 20 minutes at 350 degrees Fahrenheit for approximately $40 worth of crunchy tree butter. (laughs) Now to do it 100 more (laughs) times. Attached are pictures of the hazelnuts in question. The jar was once so full I could not lit it. Snacks have been had. And our dog, Hazel. Yes, she is named after the tree and the snack. Oh. And Hazel's super cute, of course. Uh, Oh. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, this is amazing. That's uh, that's a lot of hazelnuts. It that is, is an overwhelming, conceptually overwhelming amount of hazelnuts. It is. It is. And it is a lot of work, <laughs> I can see, uh, to get, uh, you know, some, some tree butter, as you said, crunchy tree butter. But uh, I bet it's delicious. And yeah. I have no experience with this. So that's super cool to hear from you. Um, it did remind me of, I play a lot of Mario Party, and there is a Mario Party board where it's Peach's birthday cake, and there's a there's a juncture where you have to choose a nut in hopes <laughs> that Bowser, you won't draw Bowser's attention. Okay. And they, they always reminded me of hazelnuts, but some of them are kind of like chubbier, and some of them are thinner Aww. and longer, so that's what I thought of when I read this. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Oh, and it did occur to me, Annie, that I'm nearly positive that you have, in fact, had a whole hazelnut before. Because have you ever had a Ferrero Rocher? Um, one of the candies that's like um, they're in the little golden wrappers, and they're uh, they're maybe about an inch, inch and a half across, and they're they're like a little like bonbon, like a little round bonbon. And um, then there's like a chocolate layer, and then a crunchy layer, and then some hazelnut cream, and like a whole hazelnut inside. They're Commercials come out every holiday season, like especially around like Christmas and New Year's as like a this is the fanciest party candy you can ever fancy party with. Um, uh. <laughs> but in, in a very like Italian, like in their champagne uh. in the background kind of way. Oh, my. OK. I probably have. It's not ringing any bells, but I, I mean, I probably. OK. I probably I feel, have. I feel like if you had had one, it would there, there would be a bell. But... <laughs> Bells okay. would be ringing. <laughs> Bed... Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, well, um, mm-hmm. uh, Danielle wrote, I'm from northern New Jersey. I grew up in Jersey City, and the only type of pork roll at our supermarkets growing up was Taylor ham. Or maybe that's all my family bought? Brand loyalty. It's the only kind I will buy. I have since moved away from my hometown, but I'm still in New Jersey, and I'm a little behind on my podcast listening, but saw this episode on the menu, uh, see what I did there, and went to our local ShopRite, which is one of our local supermarkets, and only found cases. I didn't buy it. I'm Taylor Ham Girl through and through. As for the taste, mm, it's uh, salty, tangy, the texture is soft and chewy, but not like bacon. Uh, bacon is stringy. Uh, this is more like a like a thinly sliced meatloaf. Yes, uh, you do have to cut slits in it. I've never requested slits. The local deli knows better. And when you order, it's Taylor ham, egg, cheese on a roll with salt, pepper, ketchup, all one word. We are in New Jersey. We ain't got time for grammar. Anyway, an ex-boyfriend of mine and I would argue about it as he called it pork roll. In his defense, he lives in some imaginary place called Central New Jersey. I kid, I kid. And Central New Jersey is another thing us New Jerseyans argue about. As for my grandma's tomato soup cake, I was talking with my mom about it. My mom said she made it with tomato soup at some point, but just switched to a spiced cake mix as it was easier for her. But the magic was the icing. A whole container of chocolate icing and a whole bar of Philadelphia cream cheese. Had to be a Duncan Hines cake mix, too. Uh, She would soften the cream cheese and dump the icing into a bowl and beat with a hand mixer. If you knew she made it, you didn't tell anyone because everyone would come over and have a piece. And I don't mean a small piece. I mean like an Italian grandma-sized piece. Anyway, have a happy holiday. Look forward to writing in again soon. P.S. Come to New Jersey. We have an incredible food scene here. And you can get a Taylor ham, egg, cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. (laughs) Sold. Sold. We asked for people to write in about how you order it and you delivered. (laughs) That is wonderful. It is. It's so specific and local and yeah. the brand loyalty throughout. Um, oh, yeah. Because you've also got Duncan Hines cake mix in here. Sure. I and love the, And the Philly it. cream cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I've never, um, ordering salt and pepper on a sandwich is is never something I've done, but I, but I know that it's a thing that you do with deli sandwiches. And I especially love the combination of it with ketchup here mm-hmm. um, and that that is the way to, to, to do it. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And I like that there's this kind of understood, like, I don't need to ask for the slits. We know that's what's going down. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Well, because other, otherwise it curls up and then, right. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm, I'm determined to try this. I actually looked the other day. I didn't see any. I saw a product that I think is a, um, I could be wrong, but I think was a Southern attempt at it. Uh, huh. Okay. It had some vague language. I was like, maybe that, maybe, but I, I'm determined to try it. I'm determined. Yeah. We've got a lot of ham products in yes. the South. Um, this is true. But I don't think like, cause this is again, right. Like, like more like a meatloaf kind of situation mm-hmm. or like a bologna situation um, that, and I'm so sorry. I know that some of you are like yelling at me all <laughs> over again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it is similar in texture and mm. formation, not mm-hmm. that it is the same product. Yes. <laughs> Careful. Lord. <laughs> I, oh, oh, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've never, I've never seen that kind of thing. Like most of our ham products are more like whole smoked yeah. ham products so yeah well we'll keep looking um oh yeah your your invitation is noted i love this <laughs> further debate about central new jersey um and i also love that your grandma switched out the tomato <laughs> soup cake yeah with the spice cakes mix that's so funny <laughs> it's great all of this All of it, yes. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.